Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, the 2nd of 2019. Um, so I'm away on holiday, as you know, as you may know. Um, so last week was our New Year special where I was interviewed by Blythe Duff. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, it was quite scary for me and uh, sitting on the other side of the desk, both literally and metaphorically, I found quite daunting. So um, I hope that it had some positive impact and also that you're getting into 2019 well and your year started well and you've got things happening. Projects are on the boil and uh, I hope that the diary is making sense. Yes, thank you very much for always listening. I'm not going to go on too much because it's kind of... um, Well, I'm recording this before I go on holiday, of course. So I'm away right now as you're listening to this in India and goodness knows what's going on. But all being well, I'm safe and uh, finding what I'm looking for. I don't even know what that might be. But (laughs) I hope uh, from the me in the past to the me in the future, I hope you're enjoying yourself and everything's okay. So I won't keep you too long because I want to bring you a very special interview I did with Orla O'Loughlin. Now, these things being what they are, the nature of time and so on, this interview was done just a few days before she finished up her post at the Traverse. But in a sense, that's perfect timing because it gave us both a chance to reflect a wee bit on what she had been up to in those seven years that she's been at the helm there and what she's going to do from now on and what where life is going to take her. So I was delighted to have the time to sit down with Orla and get a wee bit into that stuff and I hope that it's enlightening for you and that you're well and safe and happy wherever you are so thanks very much for listening it's me it's Orla O'Loughlin we are putting it together so you've officially finished with your post here I have yeah yeah officially um finished last Wednesday so that was that was a big night yeah. That the show opened, and um, and when I left the building, that was me. Yeah, yeah. 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 What a, what a piece to go out on, though. Thank you very much. I'm very proud. Yeah, you totally. Yeah, I mean, you should be. Of course, you should be. Did you think long and hard about that piece with the feeling of, or with the idea that it was going to be your last, or was it just about it being right for the season? I think it felt like the the moment was right for that play. Yeah, and um, it's been a piece of work that we've been developing for a long time that Kieran's really um, been wrestling with mm-hmm. um, and pushing on for a while and it suddenly all came together and it was just that beautiful moment where we said here we are we're ready yeah and um, and now's the time and it it coalesced you know with my leaving in a way that feels significant that it's, yeah. it's a piece of work I really believe in and um, and it has something to say, and it's clearly had a very powerful effect on those who've come to see it. Definitely has, and I think what's I feel like it would be scary to be working here and programming it in a sense because it it does kind of poke at the institution, yeah, somewhat, like specifically this one, yeah. So how did you feel about that, making that decision to put it on? I think we have to be big enough and tough enough to yeah. take it we're yeah. going to put work out there we um have things we believe in as artists as an organization and our job has always been to challenge the status quo mm. to not be afraid to ask difficult questions and if we're asking our audience to have a long hard think about themselves we have to include ourselves 
in that that we um we have a role to play um culturally societally politically mm. and part of me was just I mean, so full of admiration for Kieran for taking us on so directly. Yeah. And um, and obviously the first time um, I read that draft, it was a big ouch, you know, it's sore. But he has a really good point. And, um, you can't argue with no, it, really. No, you can't. Of yeah. course you can't. And, uh, and it's time to have these conversations and they're difficult, but they're necessary. Absolutely. How long have you been here? Seven years. Now, in that time, have you ever... You're talking about the status quo and challenging it. Yeah. Has there ever been a feeling that there was a stuckness or you felt like some pieces were in, stuck in that status quo and weren't pushing enough? Do you ever feel that? I think um, it's interesting. You know, we are part of the establishment because we are a regularly funded organisation. Yeah. We are... 50 let me get this right five years old you know as a as a a cultural institution we have um a reputation uh nationally internationally so in some ways we're kind of part of the the fixtures and fittings of um the contemporary theater um scene and yet at the same time we want to provoke and um enable naughty discourse about where we are and where we're heading um and so it's trying to get that balance right and uh, and a lot of that involves new voices and a constant appetite for representing experience and narratives that we don't normally or aren't considered the norm that haven't been given space and haven't been placed front and center um so that's been that's been part of the job for me. And s- s- several times you've been at the forefront of that. Like, In what way? Well, where the things that have happened at the Traverse have been happening for the first time anywhere, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I think all well, every show I have directed here has been a world premiere. Yeah. So, course, yeah. Um, and the work we produce um, is always about the original voice. We don't do adaptations. We don't do versions of. Yeah. We pursue the new, new stories, new forms, new narratives, new ways of looking at things. Um, And as I said, a real concern with where are we going Um, and and is this okay? Or how are we going to change this? Um, And so the big question we ask of the writers and the artists we work with is, um, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? Yeah. Because uh, our audiences really respond to those strong statements and questions. That's why they come. They come for the conversation. They come for the challenge. They come often to be rattled a bit. Definitely. And often, I think, to be moved, to feel something. And they are a loyal bunch. They are a loyal bunch, yeah. There's a, there's a breed of, of Traverse audience member, isn't there? Yeah, we have a very um, loyal um, core. And then we have a wide um, variety of audience who come for specific things because what we do is quite, um, of course we produce our own work, but we curate year round. So we have dance, we have work for young people, we have spoken word, we have all kinds of things. And we have some audience that will come for that bit of it that's that's their thing. And how much, I mean, you're, as we're talking about being 
pushing the boundaries and stuff. Mm. That's what you've been doing for all these years. H- how much have you wavered into the 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 mainstream before that, or were you ever would you ever consider yourself part of the mainstream before this job? Um, I think that's a good question. I mean, I was at the Royal Court for a couple of years. I was an associate director there. Yeah, and so the Royal Court, I would say, are the leading new writing theatre on the planet. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. Again, similar to the Traverse, they're part of the establishment, and yet the work they're engaged with is, you know, provoking, skewering, often difficult, um, confronting. Um, And being there was fabulous. I got to work with, you know, some very um, prestigious and impressive writers, actors, directors. And before that, um, I worked as a freelance director in theatres like The Young Vic, directed work there. Hampstead Theatre, the Royal Court. Um, I had a show that came to the West End. So in some ways, I was part of the establishment, but because my interest is the new, mm. um, I'm always kicking against something. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be me if I wasn't. Is that something that's been in your kind of, in your blood since since a young age, that kicking against? Um, I think I've always considered myself an outsider I suppose yeah and so I tend not to be the obvious candidate who gets the job mm-hmm. um and I think that was probably the case at the Traverse that you know for a lot of people that was quite a shock because I I didn't have a um much previous as it were in in, in Scotland mm-hmm. um and certainly at the Royal Court I think I kind of came out of nowhere that mm-hmm. a few people who were working there saw a show I had on and uh, invited me in. Um, I think I probably have always been kicking against something. I think that's why I'm involved in theatre because yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's a brilliant, it's a way of expressing yourself, isn't it? It's a way of asking questions. It's a way of exploring who we are. Did you always know it was that, or did you? I mean, I was introduced to theatre as a way of, of kind of showing off, <laughs> and you know big musicals and yeah. and, and, a, and a way of bringing joy and all the rest of yeah. it which I still f- firmly believe in as well yeah did you have that experience or was it always that kind of like having something to say having a voice thing that came to you um I think I think this is partly cultural I, I grew up in a big Irish family and um we spent an awful lot of time in the west coast of Ireland mm. where there were many gatherings and as part of those gatherings everybody would sing or dance or play or recite a poem or tell a story yeah. or a joke. So it was in me anyway that that was just part and parcel of who we were sure. as a family. And uh, and that's part of the kind of um, Irish heritage. Um, and then how did I get into it? I mean, I played Mary in the nativity, like at, at a at young nursery. Age. Yeah, yeah, but I was kind of painfully shy. So maybe... And then I joined a youth theatre and that's where I found my tribe. You know, that's where I found my people. And it was fun. We had a good time. And it feels like a safe way to explore difficult things. Yeah. Um, and to go to extreme places. And to be seen, maybe. Maybe it's something about being seen. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's an ego here as well, isn't there? Like, Of course. We all want to be loved and and to stand on stage, because I thought I'd be an, an actor or a singer. Mm. Um, 
and to stand on stage and be feel that validation of eyes on you and a round of applause of is course. a powerful thing. As a, I mean, at any age, but as a young person, to be seen and heard. Does that does that need to be seen and heard come from a place of feeling that you're not being? Because um, I mean, that's certainly my experience. It was my experience growing up. I think I don't know if I didn't feel seen and heard, but I wasn't someone who felt. Um, I wasn't someone with a big, loud voice. I'm still not someone with a big, loud voice. Mm. I'd probably consider myself quite um, a quiet and introverted person. That's interesting how many introverts we have yeah. in our business, I think. And so it, it, I've, I've, I've had to learn uh, to, to present um, a more um, confident person. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's part of leadership, you know, to be clear and confident and to be able to represent. Um, and obviously in our businesses, there's a lot of meeting and greeting and hosting and articulating. Um, so I think probably performance was quite useful. It's quite a useful tool to be in role yeah. as, as director, as artistic director. So your acting skills ended up coming, becoming useful so that you could play these parts in some way? I think, you know, there are things about just being in your own body, yeah. uh, breathing, um, preparing, being ready. Yeah. Um, and teaching was a big part of that for me because I was a teacher for a long time. And, um, and I think teaching taught me such a lot that has become invaluable in terms of being a director and a leader. Yeah. Uh, in terms of meeting all the different needs of the people that you're there to to serve mm. one of the big things i was taught as a teacher you know that you don't have one lesson plan you have 30 lesson plans because you've got 30 different human beings yeah and and one size doesn't fit all it's a massive responsibility yeah yeah so you were a school teacher i was yeah i was a school teacher for um, um for about five six years what size of little people uh 11 to 18 year old boys right right, right. yeah so different subjects or one particular? Uh, mostly drama, but right. I did English, did music. Um, yeah, so I did that. And then I, I, saw, uh, I taught at one school for about five years and then I, tr I went to do a master's degree mm -hmm. and I funded that by doing a lot of supply teaching and then I would teach all, all over London uh, on the Isle of Dogs or um, way out in the sticks all the suburbs so i got a real mix of um experience different types of schools different pupils would that be any subject do they do that where you just go yeah just it, it, like you'd be covering so you just be there and yeah and often that would just be to keep everyone in the classroom safe yeah sure and get on, get on with it <laughs> yeah. i remember that at school yeah. say what page were you at? oh 13 right get on with it yeah kind of thing yeah 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 so that somewhat prepares you perhaps for the the, the pastoral element of the role of director i mean do you feel like i feel like the pastoral role of director has, has become more important in the last few years mm -hmm. or more present or something mm -hmm. what what's your experience with that well i think anyone in a position of power has their first responsibility is, is the well-being of the people that they mm. work with yeah um and i absolutely agree with that i think a lot of it's personality driven that um, if you're someone who is naturally empathetic, sensitive, um, knows how to read a room, 
Yeah. Um, but sure, I, I think teaching probably also heightened my awareness that everyone's different, and so you have to meet them in a you know, yeah, with a different energy, because everyone hears things differently as well. You say one thing, you know, understand the, differently. Yeah, and, yeah, and people yeah. interpret that, you know, depending on their own lived experience. Yeah. Um. So yeah, teaching probably heightened that. Um. But no, we have a huge responsibility as directors um, to the well-being of the people that we work with because we're asking them, particularly actors, to go to some really um, extreme, overwhelming, complicated places. We're asking them to be vulnerable and brave. Mm. Um, and it's it's within our gift to make to create a safe space for that to happen and to bring them back from those places. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And to be able to hold the space safely for them to feel brave enough to go there and you know we talk a lot about uh, our mental health in this industry yeah and um i think that raised awareness of where we're asking ourselves and each other to go as artists um is really important that we acknowledge it and we take responsibility for ourselves and for each other mm. Also, people are in other jobs are in the job for a longer time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking about actors now. Oh, yeah. So that these things can, these systems can be in place in a more permanent fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work, if you've worked in the same building for 20 years, yeah. you can refer to the same people. And with yeah. actors, it's fleeting, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like maybe more of a responsibility to look after those people for those eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's a lot about, um, not overworking people as well. Mm. Um, respecting the need for a healthy life-work balance. Yeah. And I think there has historically been a culture of you, um, the longer and harder you work, the more hours you put in, somehow the the more heroic you are. Definitely. Um, and I, I actually find... Um, yeah, the longer I'm working as a director, probably the less I rehearse, actually. Because mm. I think so much of the deep, powerful work goes on outside of the room. It goes on when you're resting. It goes on when you're not working really hard at it to crack something. Sure, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think I'm known for my middle-of-the-night thoughts that I come in and share the next day in rehearsal. That's right. when I get my big um, revelations or things get solved. Yeah. Um, I wake up. Um, I literally wake up in the middle of the night. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and go, oh, that's you. the thing. That's right. what it was. That's what we need to go back to and fix. Or I think this might be the answer to that problem that we're wrestling with. Um, so I think time away um, is really important. So it's just a different quality of time because it's all percolating. All, you know, our work is always with us. It's always yeah. in us and working with us. You can't kind of leave it in no. the rehearsal room and no. go, go or, to or if you can, I'm yet to learn. I don't know how. Yeah. To learn how to do that, how to <laughs> compartmentalise. Um, yeah. How much has the role of the director changed in your time as a director, do you think? In a you know, creative way, it seems to me like it's more, more collaborative now than it was mm. in the past. Um, well, I can only speak for myself, really. Um, but my impression is that, yes, there is a, a, a move towards a more collaborative, open, less hierarchical mm. um, approach to making work. Um, that idea as the director telling people what to do, the director having all the answers, the director alone 
owning and naming a vision for a play. Mm. I mean, I think that still happens. And there are many paths to heaven, you know, we all work differently. Um, but certainly it's become more welcome, I think, and more common practice that the director is someone who enables collaboration to happen. Yeah. Who acknowledges that their job is to get the best out of everyone else, that really our job is about getting the right people in the room and letting them fly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's always been your way? Um, I think I've developed a confidence to understand that that's what I do. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that it's not all about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's well, about that, the work and what the work needs. The whole thing about ego is, is that's one of the dangers in this business, uh-huh. isn't it? That we have to have the ego. Yeah. But that if they clash up against each other or they get too big or get in the way, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Some people would argue that, you know, ego... And conflict in a rehearsal room leads to creation, you know, leads to... And some people definitely get off on that. You know, mm. that's their that's their way. Um, but not for me. I'm, um, I'm much more... In, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just fascinated by other people. And I'm uh, overwhelmed by their talent and their um, ideas. And as I say, my job is to to support the support them to fly mm. um and i don't have to have the answer I, I can ask the question and it's like the best answer i'm looking for the best answer it might yeah. come from me could come from anybody mm. um but it's what's best for the work um if that makes sense it totally does mm. i wonder what when you start with a new script mm-hmm. i mean you're talking about mouthpiece in the that you've been involved in the process of that being made mm-hmm. or, or being written mm-hmm. over a period of time mm. it, say say that you haven't and you and it lands on your desk what's your kind of approach to a new text if you're going to direct yeah um well i think the first time you read a play is probably the most important time because mm. that's the closest you'll get to an audience's experience of it because they'll only see it or read it once yeah, yeah generally yeah of course so i always hang on to like my first um impression is important and generally I want to feel something I want to f- I, w- I want to be changed by the play somehow mm. um and I'm excited by stories I haven't heard before and that challenge my worldview in some way um and also stories that subvert the usual narratives that we receive about who we are and who we can be mm. particularly in terms of gender or race, or age, um, that work that's interested in points of difference, really. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does, yeah. yeah. So then, so if something ticks one or some of those boxes, mm-hmm. you, you feel like there's a call in there or... Yeah, you want to. yeah. So then when you get together with a bunch of actors, mm-hmm. um, where do you start? Um, start with the writer. Mm-hmm. So... The writer is our is is our greatest resource. Yeah. So we talk to the writer about their play. <laughs> right, right. Where did it come from? Why did you write it? What's it about? Um, if we've got any questions about characters or narrative line themes, uh, we ask them. Uh, and then once we have a, a clear understanding of what the writer's intention is for the play, we know the direction of travel. Yeah, and of course, by definition, in this establishment mm-hmm. the writers always there 
yeah. are available. I mean, they're, they're, they're invited in. Yeah. We want them to be here, but they don't always want to. Some, some writers work so differently. Okay. Some writers will be in a lot. Other writers will not be able to be in the room because they're working somewhere else or they'd prefer not to be. Um, so each uh, each rehearsal process is completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm. But plays must change in terms of the text, must change a fair bit oh, yeah. when you're rehearsing at the Traverse. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the play we go into rehearsal with is never the play that mm-hmm. happens on press night um, because we... Uh, well, there's no received wisdom about what this play means or... or, or, or or what it is because no, it's never been done before yeah like so a shakespeare or exactly yeah. so we are it gives it, it gives a, a huge um freedom to question and edit and rearrange and consider and try things out um, and that happens all the way up really to press night and beyond mm. um because we're in pursuit of the best version of this play yeah and theater is a collaborative process um and sometimes, not sometimes, always, the actors and the creative teams unlock um, things about the play that the writer hadn't seen or I hadn't seen mm. because they're coming at it with their very particular skill um, and life experience. So there, there are all these beautiful revelations all the time that we didn't see coming um, because of you know fresh pairs of eyes. Um, and that's one of the... Yeah, that's one of the many beautiful things about the rehearsal process. Do you often have writers running in in the morning with new pages? Oh, yeah, very often. Try this very completely often. different? Do you get that um, much? Like sometimes. Like this is a completely t- new direction or something? Uh, very rarely a completely new direction. Yeah. Um, but uh, a passage or a scene that's been reworked or reordered um, or edited. Hmm. Yeah, usually more of a another pass on something rather than a, a complete change of direction sure sure there's a there's a fair amount of solo work happened here mm-hmm. over the years yeah um do you ever have you have you directed much of that working um, with someone who's written and performing their own work someone who's written and performed i'm just going through the 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 files in my mind it's a big catalog yeah um i don't think i have at the traverse mm. Um, I directed Kira, which David Harrower wrote for um, Blythe Duff. Oh, yeah. So that's a solo piece. but And he wrote that with her in mind. Wow, yeah. He describes the process of writing that as hearing her whispering in his ear. Oh, amazing. Um, and he only ever imagined Blythe in that role. So um, that's probably the closest to what you're describing. Yeah. In um, but no, I haven't directed something that someone has written and performed themselves but that f- the form of the one person play has always fascinated me mm-hmm. um you're that must have been a really amazing experience but working one-on-one with Blythe on that yeah it play was. that was written for her yeah it was it was it was um a very powerful experience um and she felt so close to that play mm. and it's a play it's a play about a woman's place um and it's a play about a city it's a play about glasgow and uh, glasgow after tom is the love of Blythe's life after tom yeah Yeah. (laughs) god that's amazing i was talking to her last night actually were you yeah she has a go at me because um well she she says have you done a sally on me she's talking about sally reed oh yeah which is have a text conversation and then not complete it and disappear 
which I wasn't doing. Yeah. But she said, have you done a Sally Oman? Because we were in Medtown's run into the cinema. Yeah. Anyway, Blythe is amazing. She um, is unbelievable. Yeah. She's, she's a class unbelievable. Act. She's a class act. She's so smart. She's so clever. And she's so emotionally available. Mm. Like she brings her whole self. And we did some, um, yeah, we did some really deep work. Um, because it's a play that speaks to family and history and gender and place. Um, and she really went there. Mm, she would. And it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary to see her do it. it. It sort of took on this epic, almost Greek quality. Um, she is magnificent. Mm, mm-hmm. um, talking about having David Harrow having Blythe's voice in his head. Yeah. Do you pick up a, a new script and have visions, sudden visions of, of who you think should be playing a role? Um, or hear voices? Oh, that's a good question. I I tend not to see people, but I see pictures a bit like um, a comic book or something. Right. I, I get images. A form of, of... Yeah. A tall person. Or yeah, a, yeah. For example. Yeah. But also, scenographically, I imagine what I imagine what the play would be like to stage quite quickly. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm a very visual, instinctive person. I, I tend not to over... Uh, analyze or or over uh, think over intellectualize the work Um, so my first impressions are really important and then I sort of start to see visions imagine it in 3d so does that mean you're involved heavily involved in the design process then yes do you ever design on like on your own no I've never designed a show but you you get really involved in that yeah yeah because I think that's how so many of us make meaning um you know, we live in the age of the image. We dream in images. Yeah, we see the world. So I think that's how we receive so much meaning. Um, yeah, visually. We also speak in in cartoon images now via our phones. Like yeah, yeah, that's sometimes so true. Sometimes we don't even say words anymore. Yeah, yeah. The no, laughing face with the tears coming out exactly, is yeah. more important than a lot of words. Yeah, yeah. That's, or more present. yeah. You know? And I suppose when we think about the first uh, forms of writing, it, it was imagistic, wasn't it? If, you know, if you think about cave paintings yeah. or uh, hieroglyphics, that it's much more um, akin to drawing probably than uh, than script or writing. Yeah. Do you ever, when you're working with text, do you have a sense that less is more? Do you, do you are you always stripping away, or do you? I, I have to say, I, I think yes. Yeah. That would be my taste. And my affinity, and I have to often have a conversation with myself about that. Yeah. That my taste and my affinity um, needs to be checked against the writer's intention and their taste and their affinity because ultimately it's their story, it's their piece of work. Yeah, of course. But generally, yes, I would say part of every process um, of new writing is about stripping away and allowing for um, subtext and silence and... um, moments for information to reverberate and resonate and land and you know it's that classic note about just trust your audience you don't need to tell them you'll get or it. remind them yeah it's it, it's in there it, it you know it's it's in there and also it's not entirely um meaning and story aren't always best served through a line of dialogue or a stage direction actually mm. that there's there's something else there's a soundscape there's a light there's a lighting design um 
and we and all of that is working together to um explore and represent mm. the idea of the writer yeah because otherwise it could be a radio monologue or yeah or a book yeah exactly yeah yeah but then you talk about taste it's an interesting it must be an interesting line to tread as an artistic director because you have taste yeah things that you like things that you presumably don't like but you also have a responsibility to program a relatively broad range of work yeah. for lots of different people how do you approach that i can't imagine um it's about variety um and about trying to meet as broad a set of tastes as we can within so, a sort of certain yeah so say remit, right? so say with a festival we program very mindfully a range of different genres uh, different styles yeah uh, different subject matter um and i think that makes us stronger uh, because we're we're hoping there's something for everybody yeah um and you need you need counterpoint um and variety because it kind of throws what you do have into relief then it becomes more itself if 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 it's surrounded by different things of course um and what would what would um unite that body of work is that it's all new writing it's all original voice it's all um brand new mm. but there must be casualties along the way where you think you have to say we already have a, sto- a two-hander about mm-hmm. a young woman's struggle to find her voice or something like yeah. something like that. You go, oh, we have that and we can't have that again this season. Um, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. If there's a piece of work that's very like another, then that would definitely be something we'd be having a discussion about because we're looking for, for new stories and yeah. new... Um, narratives new representations um but it just depends on the work really you know it when you read it when you see it um and certainly sometimes say in trav 2 in festival we've had a lot of solo pieces Mm. and that hasn't been to the detriment of other solo pieces you know if if they have something to say if they achieve um if they look when they land they you know when they land, they land, and um, if it's good enough, whatever good means, yeah. none of that really, you know, counts for much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Have you always directed something during the festival? Um, Is that a rule or? No, there's no. There are no rules. <laughs> but yes, I have. I've always directed. I've always directed something. Yes, apart from the very first festival, where um, we. I oh, know I did. I directed some breakfast plays that year. What time of year did you come into the role that year? Um, about this time. Oh no, I started in January. You started in January. Yeah. So, and so then festival, you had your festival. Yeah. So already. festival programming was well underway, and pretty much signed off. And what I didn't want to do was was rush into something. I wanted to take the first six months just to get the lie of the land. Yeah. And spend my time meeting people, um, starting to establish some relationships to really understand, um who 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 was who and what was what before i made any decisions yeah. so thankfully you didn't have to program that first festival no. it was done pretty much yeah there were a few things that, that that were to land but yeah pretty much it was it was underway so how different do you think that next year festival was to the one when you when you joined um i i think it was really different so we would definitely see this new blood coming in well it's hard for me to know what what 
Well, it's you, isn't it? What other people saw, yeah. but it felt very different mm-hmm. because I had a personal relationship to all that work. Yeah. Um, and I had mindfully considered and curated uh, with the team here because um, it is very much a collaboration that season of work and I had a show as well so um, to direct you mean yeah what was it? yeah I'm trying to remember what my first show in festival was and I think it was Kira oh right mm. okay well that's a good start yeah it was a good start yeah yeah, yeah. but it must have been scary the whole thing oh the whole thing is terrifying still yeah yeah <laughs> oh it doesn't get any easier mm-hmm. it doesn't get any easier um I mean you know yourself we we, we put ourselves out there and mm. when it's new we don't know what we're going to get back because as I say there's no received wisdom there's no history about whether this is a good play mm. um whatever good means um and what it all means so um we really put ourselves out for close examination and the weight of expectation placed on the work here in fe- in festival time but throughout the world is is enormous definitely um which is a huge privilege however you know it 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 means it just puts us under a lot of pressure and it's something i talk to a lot i talk about it a lot with our visiting companies especially more emerging companies and artists in festival not to underestimate um that weight of expectation yeah um and how they best meet it and how they best prepare for it um because it's extraordinary you must feel that weight on the on the day when the program's announced yeah you go oh here we go because yeah. you've known for a while yeah. what you're going to put out yeah. there right yeah and it's it's always a really thrilling day to see what comes back i suppose there must be just massive amounts of talk on social media yeah. on that day. Wow. yeah 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 and, and we do it more i mean we did it entirely online last year right the whole thing was um announced online and sort of drip fed and so it's great you get very immediate responses and excitement and tickets start selling and then the you know this tidal wave of festival starts starts yeah. rolling towards you and you hear that roar get louder and louder and it seems like it gets earlier and earlier every year <laughs> yeah. like one festival finishes and the next one you know comes into view um and that's one of the very special things about the traverse it's it's place yeah um and role and function in the festival where we become you know the home of contemporary drama and everyone wants to come and see what we've got. It's a go-to. It's a total yeah. go-to and a cent- yeah. central point of the yeah. festival, isn't it? Yeah. And a place that's launched so many careers and has enabled so much brilliant Scottish work to reach the world. Yeah. Because um, the eyes of the world are on us in August mm-hmm. and the great and the good come here to see what we've got. Wow. And, uh, and so much of it, when it does go on to travel, when it does have that international reach... Um, it's it's such a privilege to be able to um have enabled that to happen yeah yeah now you talk about everything of course everything's new right in here mm-hmm. have you found any uh time spent knocking back things that aren't quite new writing do you have people come to you and, and it's kind of an adaptation or it's kind of based on or do people know just not to even knock the door um I'm trying to think about the answer to that question. I think 
No, I don't think we do get that much. People know. I think they do know. Yeah, I think they do know. But of course that might change again. You know, that was just something I felt quite strongly about is our point of difference. Right. Um, Because adaptations and versions of things have been doing really brilliant business. So perhaps it's quite counterintuitive, you know, <laughs> f- at other venues. It's, yeah, of course. You know, radically reinventing the Greeks or Ibsen or Strindberg or Chekhov or Shakespeare. Like that's that's what the cool kids are doing. Sure. They're kind of blowing blowing up those classic texts and reimagining them for for the 21st century. Um, but what we do, as I say, is invest in the writer and their story, their yeah. original story, um, and really support them to ask big questions about right now. And for me, part of that is ultimately about legacy as well, that these will be the records of our times. Mm. These new exciting plays soon become historic yeah you know, well in 10 records, years you go, yeah oh, yeah what they were saying at that yeah. time and, and for me there's something about going on the record about ensuring that those voices are um what are they are honored i suppose mm. and uh and set down and recorded and uh so they can reverberate through history what, a, what an archive it must be. Yeah. I mean, is it, does it physically exist somewhere? We do have an archive, but it's full of, I mean, not just plays, um, posters and programmes. Of course. And all kinds of ephemeral theatrical um, bits of paper. Is it here in this building? Yeah, yeah. I should point out that we're in the Traverse right we now. We are. We're it's in not my in my house. <laughs> That'd be weird. Is it, it here was. in this building? No. <laughs> It's in the cupboard with a hoover. Right, good, good. <laughs> um, so you're going on now to, to quite a different role. Uh-huh. How, how did you make that choice? Mm. Um, that is a good question. Well, I was approached about the job. Mm-hmm. and um, Having already decided that you were going to move on? Or no, just... no, no, no. I mean, I'd started thinking about what, what, what I might do next. Right. Um, because... It occurred to me that I'd done I'd, I'd done what I set out to achieve here. Sure, yeah. Um, and I'm someone who likes a challenge and who likes a change. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the longest I've done any job. So um, I was starting to think, okay, what's next? What's next? And when um, I got the call about this job and if I'd have a think about it, lots of things clicked into place. Um my background is in in education um my work as a a leader and as a director that i go to the guild hall i'm a vice principal there but i'm primarily an artist there i come as someone who uh, is working in the industry and will continue to work in the industry that's really uh, important that I keep working, so I'll be freelancing as a director. Oh, right. And there are a number of projects that will be ongoing from the Traverse and new projects at other, um, yeah, to be uh, announced Mm -hmm. that I'll be working on. So I'll maintain that industry contact. But also my sense, you know, I'm someone who who wants to change the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, how we train the artists of the future, how we prepare them, how we ensure they have not only the skill, but the agency to support themselves, say what they want to say, 
um, is really important. And the Guildhall have, I suppose, seen what I do and see what yeah. I believe in, the kind of work I have been making and want to make. And at the centre of their uh, vision going forward is what is the role of the artist in society? And I thought, well, that's what I've been, probably that's what I've been engaged with. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. what, what are our responsibilities? What, what, what's our relationship as artists to society? Um, and so that's something that I'll be exploring with um, the acting students there, uh, with some new courses that I'm looking to, to start directing oh, right. courses, writing for performance, um, and a lot of more innovative, collaborative, interdisciplinary work. So you're going to shake it up as well? I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what they want, though, uh -huh. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Does that mean that you're going to be working with things that aren't new writing, though, for the first time in a long time? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll be working. Um, I'll be working on all kinds of texts. Is that in any way daunting after this amount of time here? Um, I think, if anything, it's really exciting. Yeah. To. Um, yeah, for me to to revisit some of that canon that I have moved away from yeah and and part of going into a learning environment is I can't wait to I can't wait to get learning yeah. I can't wait to get learning and I'll have so much to learn from those students and from the extraordinary um teachers who have who work there and the visiting practitioners I mean the level of skill and talent and endeavor there is you know I find it so um inspiring and uh, and I've, as i've said to them i've got a lot to learn yeah. and what i come here with is ambition i don't have all the answers because we're going to work on on the answers and yeah. we're going to we're going to our job is to imagine the future of course um, and what it means for for us as artists um and how how we're going to change the world are you you're going to have to move your whole life there well i'll be working there mm -hmm. and i'll be living in edinburgh because I have, I have, my home is in Edinburgh. Oh, I see. Yeah, my husband's here and my children are here. They're going to stay? Uh-huh. And you're going to go back and forth? I'll be, I'll be doing a bit of a London commute. Right. But I'm someone who's always done a bit of a London commute anyway. I'm, you know, sure. I'm a London girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family, a lot of my family are there. A lot of uh, Traverse business was there. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been someone who flourishes on travel and movement and... So I'll be I'll be down in London uh, a lot, but I'll also be back home. So the good news for us is that your links to Edinburgh and to Edinburgh Theatre and to Traverse are still going to be really strong. Absolutely, yeah. That's great. Absolutely. I didn't realise that. I thought uh -huh. it was going. Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't leave. That's why I'm interviewing you, because I thought she's going, I'll never see her again. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, this is, this is our home. Oh, great. This is our home. I've got two Scottish children. Smashing. Uh-huh. Great. So, so you'll still be... You're actually plan to direct stuff for the Trav in the next we well, will or is it kind of loose well what girls are made of and yep. locker room talk are coming back next year yes so um and uh, we'll be touring um nationally and internationally mm -hmm. um and there are a couple of other projects um both here and in other venues and and uh that i'm in conversation about and further afield as well so i'll Wow. Yeah, it's exciting. And are you leaving a programme for next festival 
ready to go, ready to release, or are you partway through that? Um, the team have been working on that, mm-hmm. and uh, and they'll continue to work on it, but it won't be it won't be my program. So it's ongoing, but you've had a hand in it. Uh huh. Because the work of the festival program is year round. Yeah. Um. Uh, I've been aware of of those conversations, but once I knew I was leaving, and that was announced in June, I. I I I stepped away really from from the programming. Sure. And and the team here have really stepped up and been magnificent in putting together from what I've, you know, from what I know, yeah. um a really exciting program. And of course the brilliant Gareth is going to step up. Absolutely in the right. Meantime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right. he'll have a ha- he'll have had a significant hand in all of that too. That's great. And you have you worked closely with him over the last wee while? Yeah. Or um, do you have separate projects? I mean, um, well, we have separate projects, but um, when when we appointed Gareth as associate director, succession planning is always very much in our mind, mm. and that's part of our responsibility, um, legacy for the organisation. Who's coming next? Whose hands? You know, will the organisation be in? And Gareth is such a well-respected and well-loved member of the community. Um, It's really heartening to see how his interim position um, has been received so Mm. warmly and with such excitement. And we feel safe. We we think, that's good. Yeah. It'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know him and you know he's he's brilliant. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows the Traverse. Yeah. And he's part of the brilliant team here. Yeah. So, you know, what's not to love? Absolutely. Well, I'm glad we're not losing you entirely. Oh, thank you. That's great. And thank you for speaking to me. It's a pleasure. Big thanks to Orla for taking the time to chat to me. Now, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that in one very simple way and it costs only a few pounds a month and it's very much appreciated, especially to those who have already done it. Thank you very much. You just go to patreon.com forward slash putting it together. Very simple. And there you can pledge to support the podcast with a small donation every month. It's equates to about the price of a cup of coffee every month. So if you like the show and you think, I'd buy that guy a cup of coffee if I saw him, then maybe that's the route for you. And if you can afford to do it, you might be doing it for somebody who can't afford to do it. And if you can't, or if you wouldn't like to, then that's fine too, because the podcast remains free always. So thanks very much for your support in whatever way you give it. And uh, hope you have a wonderful 2019. I'll be back with you next week. It will be again from the future because I'm still away on holiday next week. So uh, looking forward to bringing you yet another episode and getting into 2019 and keeping the momentum going. Thanks very much for listening and until next week, cheerio now.